Hey everybody, welcome to episode 227 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm coming to you from Austin, Texas, and excited to bring a little bit of hope to the conversation today, as my main topic will be, how do you prime yourself for the fall training to come? It looks like, fingers crossed, that we have we will have the opportunity to do some races this fall, whether they be half marathons or marathons in major cities. And training for those races begins very soon. Here at Rogue in Austin, we're going to be kicking off our training for the fall races on May 8th. And anybody in Austin will actually be welcome to come to those events. You can check for more information on that on our Facebook page. But all of us are going to be thinking about how do we train for fall races? And we have about six weeks, if you count this week, until it's time to begin that more specific training for those early fall races. If you're looking at the September to early November time frame. And so the question then becomes, how do I prime myself over the next six weeks for the training to come? A former coach of mine used to say, well, you have to be fit enough to train. And that's not to say you can't start your training on May 8th. But it's also important if you can be more ready for that training to start on May 8th to prime yourself for that work to come so that you can hit the ground running, pun intended, on May 8th or somewhere around that point, depending on when your training cycle might start and be ready to go. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. Before we get there, a couple of topics that we have to cover. First of all, a somber one. I just was reading back and watching some of the videos of the events last week in Boulder at the King Super there where 10 people tragically lost their lives in a mass shooter event. And it is terrifying and heartbreaking. And honestly, I wish I hadn't watched some of the YouTube videos that have been posted from bystanders there because it has my heart still racing. I can't imagine what it was like for those that were there. Although I do know that this tragedy while coming in Boulder, which is a mecca for runners, and I know many that actually frequent that grocery store who weren't there, but this tragedy hits the running community, particularly close to home because Maggie Montoya one of the pharmacy workers there at the King Supers is a an elite pro runner who runs with Roots Running. And she was in the store at the time of the events working the pharmacy. She is okay, fortunately, as she was able to barricade herself in one of the pharmacy rooms with a co-worker while they waited out the tragic events. She was interviewed by Anderson Cooper about her experience last week and shared the just again tragic and terrifying and heartbreaking story from her perspective i'm going to share the link to that interview in the show notes but also more importantly there's an opportunity if you'd like to support maggie as well as the co-workers who were her co-workers who were affected by these events then there's a gofundme page that has been set up to support those that were affected by this tragedy and so i'll post that in the show notes as well so that you can support those affected if you are so moved but again it's an absolute tragedy absolutely heartbreaking my heart goes out to those affected including obviously those that were in the store who survived but obviously those also connected through family and friends to those that tragically lost their lives it's again terrifying and heartbreaking and for me it's sometimes hard to watch and look directly at some of these things whether they be the interviews of survivors or even as I was watching some of the YouTube videos that were taken by bystanders it's hard to watch sometimes I question whether I should watch but for me, it's also a reminder, a way to look directly at something so that I can try to capture some of the emotion of those events, empathize as best I can with those affected, which helps stir me to action 
and to speaking out about change that needs to happen. And I think all of us need to look directly at these events to the extent that we can do it safely as it relates to our own mental health so that we are stirred to action and so that we demand action and change from our elected officials so that we can turn the trend on these mass shooting events which have become all too common unfortunately so i have to mention that please do check out the interview with maggie montoya if you're so moved and please do support the gofundme if you can to support those that were survivors of of again these tragic events so we have to mention that maggie incidentally finished seventh at the U.S. 15K Championships at the Great River Run the weekend prior to this happening and then had her life turned on a dime with this situation just a few days later. So, again, tragic, heartbreaking, and please support if you can. Speaking of the 15K Championships, turning to that as a quick topic before we jump into my main topic those as i said went off last weekend in jacksonville florida at the gate river run it's a 15k road championships for the u.s on the women's side emily sisson ran away from the field to win by over a minute as she absolutely dominated she took the lead within 30 seconds of the gun going off and would never look back as she earned first place and also won the equalizer bonus as she had a six-minute handicap against the men, which ultimately she was able to hold that advantage and win that equalizer bonus. So she took home $15,000 on the day, 10000 for winning the women's race, and 5000 for the equalizer event. Behind her, Lindsay Flanagan and Emily Durgan battled it out for second and third with Lindsay getting second. Emily getting third. Maggie Montoya, who I mentioned in the Boulder situation, she ended up seventh on the day. On the men's side, you had a very tight race as there were 12 guys in it through towards the end, mostly almost to the end, and ultimately you had nine guys finish within nine seconds of the lead, which is pretty, pretty cool as there was a bit of a sprint finish on this one. And, and the BYU graduate Clayton Young ended up winning. He's a former NCAA champion in the 10,000 meters. He beat a couple of athletes from the American Distance Project, Simbasa and Kip Chichir, who were just two and three seconds back, respectively. So what does an event like this tell us? I think it actually points perhaps towards who might be primed and ready for the track 10k that might be coming in the trials not to say that everyone in this field will necessarily be going for that but I think this does bode well for Emily Sisson's chances of making the team in the 10,000 which I assume she's going for and of course puts Lindsay Flanagan and Emily Durgan in those conversations as well in what will be a very crowded women's 10,000 field at the trials coming up in June. And then this also points to Clayton Young as an athlete who you should be watching for to potentially make the men's team in the 10,000, as well as, of course, those American Distance Project athletes who have been at the top of U.S. championships now for a while. So that, to me, is what this event says, is who is primed and ready to really focus in on the trials course there are others in the fields who maybe are just really ramping into their training who will come back and certainly be present and relevant when it's time i think an athlete like laura thweet who finished eighth on the day who trains with emma coburn's group team boss in boulder you know and ran at the trials but missed the, the team for the marathon i think she's an athlete for example to watch as someone who has the endurance and we'll probably be refining that speed over the next several months as she preps for Eugene. So that's what we're getting here. I think it's just some early signs of who will be sharp and ready for those 10K trials coming up in June. 
All right, with that as our intro, I also wanted to thank Magic Spoon, which is another partner, show partner that I'll be talking about in the middle of the episode. That it is a cereal brand. They're sponsoring this episode, so thanks to them for their support. And I'll be talking to them about we're talking about them shortly. So let's switch to my main topic today, which is to talk about priming. Priming for the training to come. Now a couple of I want to make a couple of background comments here or context setting comments here before I give you five different steps to prepare for your fall training, which should be coming up here in five to eight weeks, depending on when your race might be. Ultimately, what we're trying to do here is do exactly as the episode title implies, which is to prime the body for the work to come so that you're not starting from zero. As I mentioned in the very beginning, the goal here is to be fit enough to train. So not, not you don't want to be in a place where you're necessarily sharpening too much or building too much pure and raw fitness, but rather simply that you're priming the neuromuscular system to do the work to come. Some might call this quote-unquote base training, base training, but I actually want to make a distinction here that I don't necessarily consider this base training. If you go back and listen to episode 163, where we talk, I talk with Jason Brooks about the case for base building, as a coach now, I think about base training as actually a dedicated cycle all to itself that might last somewhere between three and four months where you might be doing some focused work to try to establish a new foundation or a new and higher platform for a future training cycle. But a proper base building cycle is something that takes a little bit longer. It's a three to four month journey where you might be trying to rebuild from injury, where you might be trying to get to a higher mileage plane than you've ever achieved before working into a race specific training block, or it might be where you're trying to incorporate some new element to your training like strength training over a longer period of time so that it's not disruptive to the normal flow of a build. So that's base training. That is separate and distinct from what I'm talking about now. What I'm talking about now is simply priming the system, priming the system so that you're ready for the work to come, so that you're fit enough to train when the real training begins, so that you don't get injured early on, so that it's a little bit easier and not so tough to rip the Band-Aid off and begin that harder training when it's time, and so that mentally and physically you are prepared for the work to come. So that's what I'm talking about here with priming. If you think back to how you may have heard Arthur Lydiard training talked about in the past where you would have a base cycle followed by a strength cycle followed by a race-specific training block. That type of periodization is certainly relevant here, but again, we've changed the terminology as training has modernized so that that early cycle, that beginning of training is more about priming than it is just about pure and easy mileage, which traditionally has been associated with a concept of base building. So yes, while you will be building mileage, you also will be incorporating a little bit of quality work so that again, the neuromuscular system is ready for the training loads that will come. So with that as context, let's talk about the five Steps are five elements that I want you to be thinking about over the next six weeks or so as you prime your system for the fall training to come. First step, first step is to plan. First step is to plan. And so what's included under planning? First of all, you want to think about and pencil in a target race. Incidentally, today as I launch this episode is... The first day of training for the virtual Boston, which will come the weekend of October 10th, same weekend as Chicago. And I know Chicago released their lottery results last week. 
And so the dominoes are starting to fall as it relates to fall training and what marathons are happening and when they're happening and so forth. And so now is the time to start planning for that. Incidentally, it could also mean you're looking at something that's not a marathon. You might be looking at a half marathon. You might be looking at targeting a 10K for this cycle. But either way, I want you to hone in now on your target race for the fall. I would suspect that the big ones will start to release, if they haven't already, their registration options and openings. Chicago, as I mentioned, has already done that. And you either made it in that lottery or you haven't. Boston just opened their virtual race today and they will be opening their in-person race on April 20th. And so those dominoes are starting to fall. And the question here is, what race will you target and what distance will you target? You want to hone in on that, which as always means thinking about what you want to accomplish in your training. For this first big quote unquote real race after the global pandemic and I'm going to be knocking on my wood on on wood this entire episode because and crossing my fingers and toes because I don't want to jinx what might be happening but as I mentioned I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get these fall races happening but you want to think about what do you need to train for and in this case probably more importantly what is exciting and motivating to you. Some of you may have races from last fall that you deferred to this fall, in which case your decision becomes pretty easy. For those that don't have that or who may have more flexibility on their deferrals because some of those you could push off a couple of years, then you get to choose. And just like through the pandemic where I've encouraged you to focus on the things that are exciting to you, I would encourage you to continue to use that filter for the live in-person races that you might be thinking about this fall. What do you want to do? What is exciting to you? What's going to get you ultimately motivated? And why? Really think about that. Because it's going to be important, just as it was throughout the pandemic, to maintain motivation. It's going to be important to have that fire, that spark, as it relates to moving back into, quote-unquote, more normal training. And so guide yourself, focus on where the spark is, where that fire burns, because that's going to keep you sustained as the work continues. So think about that first, which race you want to go after, what distance and why. If you don't have a specific reason and can't articulate it, then that likely means you need to go back to the drawing board. So again, gravitate towards what seems exciting to you. That's the first bit of planning. Second bit of planning, you got to start you need to start thinking about what the training is going to look like and how that's going to be structured. Who are you going to be working with from a coaching perspective or what program are you going to be following if you're training on your own? How is that loosely going to be structured? In that if you take that race date as you're lying in the sand and start to work backwards to when you need to start official training, what does that all look like? Start to lay out your roadmap for the work to come, including who you're going to work with, where you're going to be getting your resources. Of course, we'll be opening up the podcast-based virtual training group for Rogue, likely in the May time frame. We're still sorting out those details, So, but if you're interested in that, then please do stay tuned. I will be announcing that on this podcast, but obviously there are other outlets as well. So start to plan the work. And then related to planning the work, I think you also want to identify the key elements, the key habits that are going to be important to you to have success in training given where you might have been over the last 12 months. And that could be in a great position in that you may have been able to stay consistent and and work continuously through the pandemic, but it also might mean that you haven't. And that's okay. Don't beat yourself up on it. But do be realistic in assessing your current position and thinking about what do you need to include in the next training block in order to have success. For some of you, it might just be sticking with and maintaining 
the basic elements, which I've talked about before this year already, and or re-engaging in those basic elements. For others of you, it might mean actually adding new elements if you've been consistent for the last 12 months. And in those cases, I would just encourage you to not overdo it. It's always about doing one or two things more consistently rather than five things more inconsistently. And so pick and plan those one or two elements that you want to add to your training in this block so that you can start to incorporate that into your routine now as you prime. And these are typically going to be the things outside the realm of normal training. So this might be a focus on sleep. This might be a a focus on strength training. This might be a focus on recovery and use of certain recovery tools like the foam roller more often. This could be an addition of strides to your training program in a way that you've never consistently incorporated them. And so these are the types of things you want to start to think about. Give yourself a good list of what could be those potential elements and then prioritize and pick the top one or two to start to incorporate into your training now during this priming phase so that when you do get into the full flow of training, you're ready to roll and it's already a part of your routine. So that's the first step. Plan. Plan your target, what race, distance, and date you're going to be shooting for and why plan your training block, how that's loosely going to be structured. And I'm not talking yet about the day-by-day plan. I'm just talking about the big milestones in the training and how it's going to be structured and who you're going to be working with. And then, of course, train at the highest level or think about at the highest level what are the training elements that you're going to be including or adding to the mix in this cycle to get the most out of yourself. The last thing with planning is goal setting. Think about the goals you want to accomplish in this cycle, not only outcome goals in that what do you want to run on the given day or how far do you want to go or what metric, you know, how will you be judging your performance this cycle, but also what are the process goals that you're going to be working towards in this cycle so that you get the outcome goals that you want. And so take the time to plan and Personally, for me, this is something that I like to do this far out because it doesn't require rushing. It allows you to have the space to think about it. And if you're like me, then I, I like to, to do this in shorter sessions of planning or to maybe give myself the opportunity to daydream on these questions at random times. It could be while I'm driving. It could be while I'm going for an easy run. It could be while I'm sitting there at my son's soccer practice watching him. But instead of having one dedicated hour time frame of writing all this stuff down, I tend to like to do it in smaller chunks and ultimately think about these questions over time. And so that's why it's important to start now. But then eventually you do want to write these things down. Write them down, commit to them in whatever format works for you. For me, I tend to put them into a little notes app on my phone. I also like to write it in my my notebook, which I use for work and other planning. But that might vary for you. So pick your preferred method and just do it. Memorialize it, write it down, and then put it in a place where you're going to look at it so you know what you've committed to. So that's step one, plan. Don't neglect the planning part. Step two is establish your routine now. And just like I mentioned with the planning, this doesn't have to happen all at once. But what you do want to do is over the next six or so weeks, migrate towards, and I would say sooner is better than later, but migrate towards your routine that you're going to be establishing in your training. And this includes what are the days that you're going to, that you're going to run the target days. So if you plan to run five days a week in your training block and you're currently running three days a week, then your goal over the next five to six to eight weeks is to gradually migrate towards five days a week of running. If your goal is to ultimately have two strength days built into your routine, 
then you're going to want to migrate to two strength days a week with light workouts starting over the next five to eight weeks and also incorporating any other elements to your training routine that you're going to have, whether that be time spent in recovery, other ancillary activities or mobility work that you might be doing. Now is the time to gradually migrate towards that established routine over the coming weeks if you're not already there. In addition to locking in on the days per week of running, you also want to migrate towards your routine on what each day represents. What's the purpose of each day? So you want to begin to migrate towards having your quality day locked in. And I'll talk in a minute about what adding quality looks like now, but you want to begin to lock in on what's your quality day. What day is your long run? What day are you going to be doing your medium long run? Where do your recovery days fit? You want to lock into that weekly routine and identify exactly what days are going to be what so that you're ready to begin executing that from day one of your training block. Now, this might not mean that right now all of those days exactly fit that purpose, but because you don't have all the elements yet to your training, but in theory and in your mind, you should be practicing those days or thinking about the purpose on the day as they come. And so for now, again, if your quality day is going to be Tuesday, then that's a day that you can begin to incorporate a little bit of light quality. I'll talk about that in a minute. If your recovery day is there on the calendar, you may not necessarily need to take it as easy as you normally would, but you can back off a little bit on that day and start to program your routine in a way that you're honoring the purpose of each of those days. The long run. It may not be super long right now, but it should be maybe a little longer than your other runs per week and starting to migrate more that way over the next five day weeks. But you want to make sure that you're giving that long run its proper due, that you're establishing the routine at which you will execute that long run, including time and and perhaps the friends and accountability partners that you're going to bring along with you on this journey. And just start to embed and codify that routine across all the elements. Again, it doesn't have to happen all at once, but you want to start to migrate in that direction so that by the time you start your training block, all of those pieces are already in place so that you don't have to add anything new in week one of your training except whatever more advanced elements start to come into play as you progress in that training block. So get your routine in place. The days you're running, the purpose of each day, the strength elements, the other supplementary elements to your training, get all of that stuff in place and migrate towards a full routine over the next five to eight weeks. Again, it doesn't have to happen all at once, but gradually over time, start to add all of those elements to the table so that when you get to day one of your training block, you don't need to add any new elements. They're all there. All you need to do is start to add more volume, more intensity, so that you can hit that ground running when it's time to start. So that's the second step here is make sure you establish your routine now. Get all those elements in place before you jump in to week one of your training. Before we go to step three, I want to take a quick break here and talk about my new partner, Magic Spoon. I don't know about you guys, but I personally love cereal. It is often my breakfast food of choice. It has always been and I really, frankly, can't get enough of it. But I often struggle finding good, healthy cereal options, particularly cereal options that are well-balanced and have all the elements, particularly the protein that I want, in addition to the carbs. And so I'm excited about this new partner, Magic Spoon, because they don't have any of that extra added sugar that you might see in typical cereals off the grocery grocery store shelf so magic spoon is a cereal company they have zero grams of sugar 13 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving 
Also only 140 calories per serving and very friendly for those that might have diet challenges, including the fact that it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. You can buy a variety pack of their four key flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, all of which are really good. Personally, I like fruity because they taste like Fruit Loops. I also like the peanut butter flavor because I am peanut butter nuts, and they kind of taste like a peanut butter cup. And so you can go to magicspoon.com forward slash running to grab a variety of pack and check it out today. You can use promo code running. That's all caps running at checkout to save $5 off your order. And I think you'll like it. They also have a happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you. No questions asked. And that'll be it. But I think you'll like it. I personally like it as someone who has a bit of a cereal addiction. So again, go to magicspoon.com forward slash running and use the code running, all caps, for $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for hooking me up with some great cereal and for supporting this episode. Go check it out yourself. So with that, let's talk about the final three steps of our priming here. Step number three is build your miles. Build your miles. So we've established our routine. We're adding those days per week. And now it's time to start to build your miles. One of the important things to note here is that oftentimes training programs are set up in a way that's less than ideal in that you're trying to build your miles at the beginning of a cycle while also building quality and intensity to the point where often in many cycles you'll reach a peak mileage somewhere right in the middle of your training cycle or right near the peaking phase of your training cycle. And so throughout that early part of the cycle you're building miles and you're building intensity at the same time and while there should be some truth to that i think the the because granted especially for a marathon program you're going to be building long runs throughout and that's a a normal part of the process but i think oftentimes there's too dramatic an increase from the early part of a program in terms of miles per week to the middle part of the program in terms of miles per week so personally If you're priming in the right way, I like to see you get to close to 80 to 85% of your peak mileage before you even get into the training program. So if your peak mileage is going to be 50 for the training block for your marathon or half marathon, I personally would love to see you be close to 40 before you even start. Now, that may not be possible at this point, given where you are, and we don't want you to shortcut to try to jump to that point. And so if you're not there, that's okay. I'm just saying in an ideal world and for the thought of future planning that you would be that close to your your mileage so that when you get into the training program, it could be more about adding that intensity and adding some of the elements like longer long runs than it will be about building that foundational level of mileage. So over the next five to eight weeks, as you prime, I want to make sure that you're building your mileage and doing mostly easy mileage so that you are ready to go and as close as possible to your target mileage from the very beginning of when that program starts. Again, that's going to depend more on your starting point than anything else. And so whatever your starting point, that is okay. Do not take any shortcuts to ramp up too dramatically because you'll get injured that way. But I do want you to try to build roughly 10%, but I like numbers better typically on this, but somewhere between two to five miles per week, depending on your starting point. If you're starting out in the low teens of mileage per week, then a couple miles a week is probably right for you to start building your mileage. If you're a little bit higher than that, then you could probably Build by somewhere between three and five miles per week if you're already in, say, the 30-mile range as you start to build towards whatever your target mileage is. And so somewhere between two and five miles per week, create a plan to gradually build the mileage. 
first, I want you to build days. So that to me comes first, establish the routine first, and then second, build, build mileage on those days, starting with that longer run and that medium long run so that you can start to create some variation in the miles that you're doing per day. So begin now building your mileage towards your target. Now, one question people always ask me is, do I need to take down weeks as I build? And this is going to depend on how you feel. Generally, in a build phase, if you're experienced with the mileage levels that you're going to be targeting, and those aren't in too distant past, then I'm okay with you building in consecutive weeks until you get to whatever target you might be shooting for so that you can then start to cycle your down weeks after that. But if you're going into new unprecedented territory, then I think three-week cycles tend to work well where you build for two weeks, hold or slightly drop for a week, and then continue to build for another two weeks, then hold or slightly drop for a week. But the caveat to that is that you always want to listen to your body. And if your body is revolting at any point or if it's struggling with the load that you've given it, then please do back off so that you can reestablish yourself and then rebuild again. The last thing you want to do is get injured in your priming phase. So as I'll talk about at the end, give yourself grace and make sure when your body says to back off or slow down that you listen. So build mileage, that's step three. Now, the caveat to step three is that most of your mileage which is typical, but most of your mileage should be done at easy efforts. Most of your mileage should be done at easy efforts. We'll talk in step four about doing some priming workouts that'll be very small and targeted. But other than that, I want you to be running easy mileage. That's easy conversational pace. That's at least a minute slower, but probably closer to a minute and a half slower than your target marathon pace and probably at least two minutes slower than your target half marathon pace. But when in doubt, go slower than you think you need to. Your goal here is to establish the foundation. And to do that, you also need to run easy. So run easy and then get in the miles. And then we'll layer in a little bit of quality work, which I'll talk about in a second. But your goal, again, is not to set any land speed records. It's not to worry about your pace. It's to get out there, run easy, feel better at the end of these runs than when you started, and keep it all contained and conservative so that you don't overdo it at any point. Again, we're just trying to get you fit enough to really train. We're not trying to actually train, and so there's a difference there. Make sure you heed and listen to that difference. So build mileage is step three. A very important step. Two to five miles per week and no more. Mostly easy mileage. From whatever starting point you're at now, don't skip steps. If you're at 10 but you think you should be at 20, don't go from 10 to 20. Just don't do it. That's too much. Your body won't be happy with you. Start where you are build by two to five miles per week, take most of those miles easy, and listen to your body as you go and back off at any point if you need to. That's step three, build mileage. Step four, add some priming workouts. Call these priming workouts in this case and not typically what I would call quality workouts, but these are workouts where we start to work the neuromuscular system a little bit so that you can begin to prep for the workouts that will come in your main training block. One thing we found is that early on in the days of Rogue, we would do priming phases or base phases that were mostly just a lot of easy running. And while that helped in building mileage, what would happen then once we started doing workouts within the main training block is that you would have injury happening because the neuromuscular system wasn't primed. And so we want to do workouts that prime the neuromuscular system that also serve to develop raw speed. I like to call some of these speed development workouts because they help you prime your raw speed 
so that again, once you get into a full-on training block, you are actually ready to go. So I'm going to give you four examples of priming workouts. These are not exhaustive by any means, but these are workouts that I like to see and that have a, ver- a variety of ways that you can adjust them as needed in order to make sure that the effort level is right. But the first one is just simply 30-second hill strides. 30-second hill sprints would be another way to put this. 30-second hill repeats. As the great Frank Shorter has said, hill work is speed work in disguise. And it's also a safe way to do speed work. So I like this 30-second hill sprint workout where you're just doing six to eight hard up the hill at an effort that feels doable for you for 30 seconds. You jog easy back down and repeat for six to eight reps in the middle of the of a of a run. Of course, you're going to have a proper warm up and cool down before that. So six to eight times 30 second hill sprints. When you're doing these, you want to choose a moderate hill, a hill that you can run up normally without feeling like you have to adjust your stride in order to get up the hill. So if you find yourself leaning over or doing something funky to try to climb the hill, that's probably too steep. So you want a moderate hill, likely somewhere between four and 8% grade, and that would be perfect. So it doesn't have to be a big hill, but just a moderate hill that allows you to maintain normal form while running up it. So 30-second hill sprints, six to eight of those, hard up, easy down, really simple. Another priming workout I like is 200 meters on and off. 200 meters on and off, where you're getting on a track, you're doing 200 meters on at what you might consider 5K or 10K effort, and then jogging 200 meters, super easy, shuffle jog back around, and then repeat another 200 on, 200 off. And so you might do six to eight laps to start of 200 meters on, 200 meters off. This should be very effort-based and very progressive in that you're not necessarily targeting a specific pace, but you're just trying to run a little bit fast Jog easy for recovery and then get back into a fast rhythm, progressing as you go as the body allows. All of these workouts should also be mellow in that you're controlled and relaxed and you're not pressing in any of them. So 200 meters on off is another one I like. Third one is a variation on the hill sprint where you actually, instead of doing just 30 second hills, you alternate between 30-second hills and 60-second hills. So this is a 30-60 hill workout where you'll do 30 seconds hard up, easy down, then 60 seconds hard up, easy back down, and repeat for three to four total sets of both, which would be, again, about six to eight hill climbs total. But you're alternating between 30 seconds hard up and 60 seconds hard up. The key with this one is that your 30-second intervals are going to be a little faster than your 60-second intervals. And you want to see that you have that differentiation in pace, but you also want to see, ideally, that you progress a little bit as you go in this workout. One thing I liked about I like about timed hill sprints is that you can judge your pace by the milestones or landmarks on the side of the road. And so you want to see that as the workout goes, you get a little bit higher up the hill for each 30 and 60 second rep as you progress through the workout. And that gives you a measurement on are you managing this the right way? Because you want to progress in speed as you go, as your body allows. So start conservatively and build 30, 60 hill reps, three to four total sets, four, six to eight total hills. The last one I'll give you is a three, two, one fart lick. This one would be done more or less on flat road, but you could also do it on undulating terrain. But you're going to do 3-3-2-2-1-1. And you're going to do two to three sets of that. I like to start this one by doing the three minutes on at marathon effort, followed by three minutes easy. Then two minutes on at half marathon effort, followed by two minutes easy. And then one minute on at 10K effort, followed by one minute easy. And then you repeat right back into the three minutes at marathon effort. 
and you repeat that for two to three sets max. For this, you want to progress within the workout and you also want to progress across the workout. If your priming phase is a little longer, you can also perhaps do later versions of the workout at a little bit faster effort where you might start at half for the three minutes versus the marathon effort for the three minutes and progress from there. But either way, this is a, a free form fart lick that allows you to progress as you go and start to feel out different paces, work a variety of things and feel good about it. The key through all of these is to stay in control. Don't press too hard. Stay smooth and relaxed throughout. Let the paces come to you. Don't force it. And when in doubt, go for a shorter number of reps rather than a longer number of reps if that's what your body demands. So make sure that you listen to your body as you do these priming workouts. The other workouts you can do, but basically what you want to do is make sure that you're getting hills, you're getting a little bit of speed with plenty of recovery, and that you're working a variety of effort levels at different times so that, again, you can prime the system, prime the neuromuscular system to begin to work in a variety of ways as you dig into the real workouts. So mix those into your training once a week for your quality day and then keep progressing. I would also encourage you to do strides after one other run a week. So four to six flat strides after one other run a week as another element of quality to add. And you can vary the reps on the strides depending on how you feel. Sometimes I feel like only four. Sometimes I can do more. But Again, listen to your body in the moment and make those judgments as you go. So add one light quality workout and you can choose of the four options that I gave and add one stride session during this priming phase. Again, all the same rules apply for strides. Make sure you're progressing as you go. You're keeping them in control. You're managing your effort and you're cutting them short once your body says I've had enough. So listen throughout. And if at any point you think it's too much or you're thinking, uh, I can't do both the strides and the quality workout. I've just had a week that's too intense or maybe my sleep hasn't been as good, then that's okay. Cut the quality, the main quality workout. Just do the strides. That's an option always if you need to give yourself a little bit of break. So that's step number four is add a little bit of quality that's focused on hills and speed development with plenty of rest. The last step is go execute. <laughs> go execute the plan and execute it week after week. But I want to give you a couple of things to think about as you execute the plan and prep for that training cycle. One, do it with grace. Do it with grace. Give your body and your, your mind grace throughout this priming period. Again, this isn't about rigorous training. You don't have to check every box. If for whatever reason you need to make adjustments, then listen to your body and make those adjustments. Give yourself the grace to do that. Go easy on yourself. Yes, take it seriously, but also give yourself grace. Listen to your body. Make those adjustments as you go and then keep moving. Don't beat yourself up about it. That's not what we're trying to accomplish. We're not trying to get you in a hole. We're trying to get you in a better place. So make sure you have grace. Again, take it seriously. Do the work. But if your body says no or you need to back off at any point, do it. So execute it with grace and flex as needed as you go. This isn't about perfection. This is about progression. It's not about perfection. It's about progression, progressing to that point where you're ready to start your primary training block. And so that means you can flex. You can flex miles. You can flex days. You can flex the intensity of your quality. You can flex how fast you go on a given day. You can make all of those adjustments and do it in a way that's listening to your body and, and what it's telling you about what you might need or what you can accomplish. So execute with grace is one point. I want to 
add a little bit of a note there, which means essentially when in doubt, when in doubt, go easy or or go easier than you think. Start more conservatively. When in doubt, slow down. That's what we're trying to do because checking the box and getting out there and doing some work is better than nothing. And if you have to back off in order to do that, that's okay. So execute with grace, flex as needed, and when in doubt, be conservative. Those are the key elements to this. But what else? Execute also means beginning to to track and hold yourself accountable. Yes, listen to your body, but also know exactly how you're doing. And this is where I like to use a bullet journal. And you can see this Colin Quigley, who's an athlete I've had on the show. She talks about this all the time. But if you use a bullet journal, which is just basically a check box system of tracking your habits, if you turn that plan into a bullet journal, which lists your habits and what you're trying to accomplish each week, and then you start to track your execution against those elements, then it's going to show you not only how you're doing, but also where you need to work on as you progress towards this training block. So begin to track your progress. As a part of that, you can also track where you are from a mileage perspective. You can also track where you are from a pace perspective, perhaps in some of these quality workouts. So begin to track what you're doing so that as you make the adjustments based on listening to your body and giving yourself grace, then you know where exactly you are and you can continue to work from that place rather than work from a place of maybe the ideal scenario. And so begin to track it and again, make those adjustments as needed as you go because all you want to see is between now and your week one of training that you're making progress towards the goal of establishing your routine, getting to the mileage that you need to be at and of course incorporating quality so that you're primed and ready to go. So begin to execute your plan. And when in doubt, give yourself grace, but of course, hold yourself accountable to that work so that, again, you're ready to go on week one and can hit the ground running, as I've said. So that's it. Those are the five steps to get you primed and ready for your training. As I mentioned, here in Austin at Row, we'll be kicking off training on May 8th. Sometime around that period, I'll also be opening up my podcast training group for those that want to train with us through the Renegades or through one of our other training groups like the She Squad, coached by Ruth and Jen. So stay tuned for that information. Otherwise, go look for your own program and resources to help you get to that next goal. But I'm excited because there is hope, hope that we have fall races around the corner in the not too distant future. So get ready, listen to this episode, take the steps I mentioned so that you are ready and primed to go. With that, again, I'll remind you, you can go to check out Magic Spoon if you'd like by going to magicspoon.com forward slash running and using the code running all caps as a promo to get $5 off. Check it out. Really good cereal. Otherwise, we'll wrap this episode 227. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rogue Chris or on Twitter at Chris McClung. Until next time, y'all, thanks again for listening. I will talk to you soon.